as opposed to now where it's not really based off of anything other than uh, a few calculations from the Fed. It's just, it, if, you, if you ask me, the U.S. dollar is the scam. Fear not, dear listener. The path to enlightenment is before you. Leave the darkness behind. Open your eyes. Grab your spears. And brush your teeth. For you will be led to the battlefield, armed with sharp minds and fresh breath. Stand by. Welcome to the show where an apple a day will keep anyone away if you throw it hard enough. One small part of a larger movement for freedom pressured into silence by a culture that seeks nothing less than total obedience. Your hosts, Scott and Max, are here to help you to find the courage and resources to become uncancelable. This is Cancelled Out. Is there anybody out there? Is there anybody out there? Scott normally does this stuff. What's up, guys? I'm just testing my audio stuff. Uh, trying to make sure that I'm doing this right. Because <laughs> tonight, for the bonehead of the week, it is just me. Uh, Scott and I are trying something a little bit different. Uh, he's gonna be focus- Scott's going to be focusing on uh, the CRT segment for this week. Because uh, he's the one who's been doing really all the homework on that. And I've been wanting to have a discussion about this topic for pretty much since the beginning of this show. And you've heard me talk about it a lot. So that's, uh, it, it just so happens that the bonehead of the week perfectly uh, set this up for me. So I'm really excited to talk about this topic. But we got to start off with who the bonehead of the week is. Now, as you already know, my dutiful listeners, that. <laughs> bonehead of the week tends to be reserved for people who should know better uh, typically I try to reserve them for conservatives, libertarians, republicans this is a very loose rule as you know uh, last week we uh, focused on AOC a very obvious bonehead so it's a little too obvious but it sets up a, usually, the reason I do that uh, or I break that rule is because it sets up interesting conversation just so happens I get to follow the rule, and oh boy, do I get to follow the rule this week. So, ha 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 It's a bummer, but I mean, it's not totally surprising. The bonehead of the week this week was uh, one I anticipated coming at some point sooner or later. Uh, I just expected it would probably be later, and <laughs> not sooner. But, the bonehead of the week is former U.S. President Donald J. Trump. And why is that? Well, let me get into it. This this uh, this was from uh, Yahoo News. Some of y'all might have seen this if you pay attention to the topic of Bitcoin. And that's the topic I've really been wanting to talk about for a long time. So we're going to talk about the boneheaded statement that Donald Trump has made about Bitcoin. Before we get into that, I just want to explain uh, where I come from. First of all, if you've been listening to our show already, you know that I am a Trump fan. I supported the guy. I voted for the guy uh, twice. I uh, went in the uh, uh, 275 parade twice in this uh, last election to support him with my flags flying and my bumper stickers and and uh, my MAGA hat on. I did. I went the full nine yards for the guy. And I would again, even now after this. I mean, this is, you know, you're going you're gonna to come across things where, you know, the people you support, the people you like, the people who are fighting for you are going to do things that do or say things that you disagree with. And I certainly disagree with this, and I'm going to go into why. But uh, the point is, is that I am not a Trump sycophant. I'm not going to hang on every single word that he says. Uh, and this, you know, I think should clearly demonstrate that. So what did he have to say about Bitcoin? Well, this is a quote from... Uh, Mr. Trump, Bitcoin, it just seems like a scam, okay? I don't like it because it's another currency competing against the dollar. And he added that he wanted uh, the dollar to be the currency of the world. Um, Now, the reason why this is a boneheaded statement is, first off, I don't think he really understands Bitcoin. 
And if he did, then he would be making the comparison of uh, Bitcoin to the U.S. dollar honestly, not necessarily in this interview, but he would have understood these things. You know, he would have he would have had this uh, discussion with somebody who is an expert, and I I'm just certain that he has not. We've all seen, if you ask me, that the U.S. dollar itself is a scam. It's not what it used to be. So. It's, it's, it's important to understand terms, understand our, uh, what, what we're defining here. And if you're going to define the U.S. dollar as a currency, um, it's certainly not the same currency it was 100, 200 years ago. Uh, it used to be based off of the, uh, the, the gold standard, as opposed to now where it's not really based off of anything other than uh, a few calculations from the Fed. It's just, it, if, you, if you ask me, the U.S. dollar is the scam. And we're going to get into more detail about why as we compare Bitcoin to the U.S. dollar. Uh, but if we're, going to, if we're going to make a suggestion that any currency is a scam, it's going to be that the U.S. dollar is a scam. And again, we'll see why. The other part of this statement where he says that uh, he doesn't like it because it's another currency competing against the dollar. And, uh, you know, since when is competition a bad thing? It seems like if, uh, if we did want the U.S. dollar to succeed or anything to su succeed, you would want competition for it. That's how, the, that's how things get better. That's how things improve. And if there is any saving the U.S. dollar, and in my opinion there's not, but if there is any saving the U.S. dollar, uh, one of the things that it's going to need is some healthy competition. Otherwise, um, if, it can't, if it can't be competed with, then it is the scam. Right. I mean, it, it just it stands to reason that if you want something to effectively be forced into the equation without any without any genuine acceptance, then that's going to be the scam, not the thing that people are volunteer voluntarily trying to uh, uh, not necessarily even replace the U.S. dollar with, but at least provide an alternative for a store of value. So talking about currency for just a minute. Currency, understand, is exactly that. It is a store of value. And it has certain very specific properties that makes it a good or bad currency. And again, we're going to get into more details about what that means, but understand that uh, a store of value can be, uh, as we've seen, gold, right? Gold is a, is a store of value. It also is relatively easy to exchange because it's fungible, right? I think, I think it's fungible. I don't know if it's fungible. The fungible sounds wrong. I'm going to go with fungible. <laughs> so it's fungible. I'm pretty sure that's how I heard it said. Which means that you can trade one for the other, and they both effectively are the same thing. It's not like if you were to trade uh, in seashells. Not all seashells are the same, so it's very hard to trade one for the other. Some of them have uh, slightly different shapes, slightly more or less material, um, slightly bigger or slightly smaller. So uh, if you, that's, that's what makes uh, seashells not as fungible as, say, gold or the U.S. dollar, or Bitcoin, for that matter. Uh, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but the, the thing that you, you really need to understand is that the point of currency is to have a store of value for exchange as opposed to a bartering system where you're exchanging you know, six chickens for a cow, which may not be an exact exchange of value. But with currency, you can have a more exact exchange of value as opposed to a barter system where you really don't know. Um, it's hard to sell. I mean, you can, but it's harder to sell a half a chicken. Uh, and even then, you know, our, it's uh, what parts of the chicken, right? Because some parts are more valuable than others depending on who you talk to. I'm a dark meat guy personally. I like my wings. I like my ch uh, ch uh, drumsticks. Uh, that's neither here nor there. So let's talk about Bitcoin for a minute. So Bitcoin started up uh, not too long after, or I think it was thought of even during the 2008 crisis. And it was launched by uh, an anonymous guy uh, named uh, Nakamoto, which is probably a uh, alias. Uh, we don't know for sure if it's one person or multiple people, but uh, they've never revealed who they are. Um, it's kind of like the deep throat of the internet, so to speak. So not that deep throat, come on guys. So, so what, 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 the, uh, what Bitcoin is, is effectively it's digital currency. But it's not digital currency in the sense that uh, you're 
keeping a ledger in a bank and the bank decrements or increments that ledger according to whatever transactions or interest that occurs okay so in a typical digital currency format uh, that we're used to anyway that you and I know because we exchange in that every single day you typically using our credit cards if we were not using you know dollar bills um, it's sending a signal to computers and those computers are shaking hands and saying okay uh, increment your account balance by five and, and decrement my account balance by five so that we have an equal uh, amount of exchange uh, an equal increment or decrement uh, accordingly based off of whatever exchange that we're doing so that I could get my, you know, Red Bull or, or you know, a couple packs of gum or whatever it is that I'm buying for five bucks. So that is how we tend to understand digital currency. Now, in that arrangement, okay, the, there, you, you basically have a central ledger, which is your bank. Your bank is a central ledger. Now, they have backups and all that kind of stuff, of course. But it is still a more centralized ledger. One entity determines the amount in your bank according to the, the uh, transactions that occur. Now, before I go too much further, I need to stipulate a couple of things about this. Number one, uh, I am not a financial advisor. Uh, this is not a recommendation on investments to make. Um, I am a proponent of Bitcoin, and, and, and you'll see why when I get into it, but that's not to say, hey, uh, you should buy a whole bunch of Bitcoin because I think it's going to get you rich. I'll talk about uh, a little bit more of that here in a bit, but uh, don't, again, don't take this to mean that I am an expert in any of this, even an expert in Bitcoin. I've, I have been paying attention to it for a while, but of course, there are much smarter people than me that understand this. I'm going to try to communicate what it is and how it works to the best of my ability so that you can understand it. Um, and it is difficult, honestly. Like when I first started looking into Bitcoin, it was like, it was, it was just overwhelming to me. I was like, I don't understand this. I don't trust this. Uh, I, I, I am never going to get on board with it. It's too complicated. And then when you really think about it, you're like, you know what? The, our, our current monetary system is pretty damn complicated. But we put our faith in it, right? How many of you have? Uh, 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 your money in anything else besides the U.S. dollar, um, and how much of that is diversified, right? Do you have it? In, do you have how much silver or gold do you have? I don't have any. I should probably get some. Uh, how much on-hand cash do you have, as opposed to in a digital format? Um, or do you rely on one store of value, or do you rely on multiple? That's another good question to ask. And again, I'm not. I'm not making. A, I'm not a financial advisor, and uh, none of this should be taken as financial advice. However, I would think it makes sense to be relatively diverse in where you store your money. So, that out of the way, let's get back into what Bitcoin is and how it works. So, Bitcoin also is digital currency in the same way, uh, uh, just as uh, the U.S. dollar when it's exchanged through credit cards and through computers, uh, for, through ATM withdrawals and all that, is also a digital tracker of currency. It's just that the digital part represents the physical dollar, and the physical dollar, frankly, represents absolutely nothing but your faith in it. The difference with Bitcoin is the main thing is that it's a shared public ledger. So, like I said before, with the bank, you have a centralized ledger. Your bank on their computers is keeping track of your account balance. And uh, of course they have backups, but there is a security issue involved in that, right? If, if that bank gets hacked, they could steal all of your money. Now, that money uh, is um, insured, but you know, you can only rely on that as much as you can rely on the government, right? So, <laughs> and, and with the uh, way things are going with the American dollar, and we've seen insane inflation just since Biden uh, was elected. So, um, you know, you take it for what it's worth. Again, I'm not saying that you should never have any of your money in the U.S. dollar. It wouldn't make any sense to do that. But let's, again, make sure that we're comparing appropriately the strengths and weaknesses of different currencies. And that, frankly, is a weakness in our current monetary system as far as that central ledger goes. But a shared public ledger with Bitcoin is different. 
right? Because all transactions are uh, confirmed by effectively all of the computers on the blockchain, okay? So, and again, I'm gonna butcher this, but I'm gonna do the best I can to explain it. So blockchain technology is a certain kind of technology where a new block is added for additional transactions and no block can be changed okay so think of it like this it's, it's like a chain right but it's well of course it is because it's blockchain right um, but you've got one block chain to another block chain to another block all downstream and it turns out to be more of a web than anything but it's all downstream from each other so you couldn't go in and change a chain that is upstream uh, because the point is is to lock that in to lock that transaction into place and each block again represents transactions in the blockchain technology so then when it adds another block uh, what you don't want is to make a change to the previous blocks because then that's going to have an effect on the current block that it's very technical and we don't need to get too much into the details on that but the point is is to understand that these are all transactions that are recorded and registered on the network itself and all of the computers that are processing the transactions it's not central it's not one computer or one entity that is processing this transaction and in fact these transactions are processed by computers um, because the computers uh, process this transaction successfully when it solves in equations. So I got to step back again. <laughs> this is very complicated. And uh, again, I'm going to do the best I can to explain all of this. Um, don't feel too overwhelmed. I'm just trying to establish uh, a little bit of an understanding of what's going on here so that you can at least get a start with how this all works. When the first Bitcoin was mined, it was mined by solving an equation. And that equation is solved because a transaction occurs. And that first equation was incredibly easy. Now, I'm just going to say it was easy as 2 plus 2 equals what? And the computer solves it for you. Uh, it wasn't that equation. But um, what happens is, is every time it processes another transaction, that equation gets more and more complicated. But every time the computer successfully processes that transaction and solves that equation, it earns another Bitcoin or generates another Bitcoin. Uh, and again, as more transactions happen, the, comp the, the equation gets more and more complicated, so fewer Bitcoins are mined or generated on the blockchain uh, in any given amount of time or with any amount of process, with the same amount of processing power, right? So you could have solved the first equation potentially with a calculator, like a handheld calculator, uh, but now you need server farms because there's so many Bitcoins out there now and so many transactions that have happened that there are, uh, there's, the, the equation is too complex for any one computer or laptop to be able to solve anymore. So that's why they now have server farms for these cryptocurrencies. Um, so that's how, that's, that's the incentive currently that the, uh, uh, the computers that are uh, processing the transactions have. The people who run these server far farms are uh, putting all of this energy and all of this time and all of this processing power into processing these transactions because whenever they successfully process the transaction by successfully solving the equation, they generate for themselves another Bitcoin, which of course creates value for them. So that's their current uh, incentive. Now that's going to change when uh, no more Bitcoin uh, is able to be printed, um, and then the, the the network is going to have to figure out another way to process the transactions. In that case, you might actually have to pay a fee for the transaction, but for now you do not because they're already incentivized to do it without being paid by the person trying to conduct the transaction. Okay, <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. I'm sorry. I'm going to throw. I'm gonna, it's just like a, a fire hose, and I'm just going to throw it all out at you. Feel free to listen back to this. Um, make sure you do your research on this uh, and hey uh, again I'm not an expert so if I've got any of this wrong feel free to correct me all right <clears throat> now I mentioned just now that Bitcoin uh, eventually there won't be any more printed 
I can't remember the exact figure, but I think the most amount of Bitcoin that can ever be uh, mined is 40 million. And then no computer is going to be able to process uh, these uh, calculations anymore. The calculation will be done. Okay. Uh, and that's going to be a while. Um, I, I, it's going to be a, probably a couple of decades. Because remember, um, it gets exponentially slower and requires exponentially more processing power as um, Bitcoin is generated. And that was actually the recent issue that um, Elon Musk had raised a couple of weeks ago when he uh, decided he didn't want to accept Bitcoin anymore uh, because of the impact to the environment. And you all uh, may have heard me uh, talk about that, and I actually almost made him the bonehead of the week for that one. Because as, I've, as I said in that episode, um, did you bother to compare uh, the environmental impact of the transaction of the U.S. dollar? You know, uh, and I would like to I would like to see that, you know, before you before you go uh, dogging on Bitcoin like that and acting like this is something unique to Bitcoin when it's certainly not. Um, I'd like to know what the environmental impact of the U.S. dollar is, especially as it relates to inflation. You know, you're having to uh, I mean, when you're having to uh, 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 basically process larger transactions for a smaller value uh, item. Like, for example, uh, a loaf of bread might cost a dollar now, but uh, in a few years costs, you know, $10. You know, what's the environmental uh, uh, impact of that as you multiply those, the number of transactions that happen? You know, so uh, that's, it's, it's one, and, and that's just the transaction part of it. So, uh, you know, how many, how many, you know, uh, resources, natural resources are required in order to print the dollars themselves? So anyway, um, but also, again, the, the, the very important point here is that eventually there will be no more Bitcoin printed, which gets into one of the requirements of a good currency is that it's limited. It's one of the reasons why we ba uh, based the U.S. dollar, we used to base the U.S. dollar on gold because gold is finite. Right? Eventually there is no more gold and uh, uh, and if it's if rare creates value or establishes value, if there's infinite supply, then you know uh, I mean look at it this way: you don't have to buy oxygen in order to breathe, you know, unless you have to process it in some way for medical purposes or for uh, uh, any other unnatural environment, such as you know for submarines or for space, you know things like that. Um, but otherwise, just just anyone can breathe. Anyone can breathe at any time at no cost. So in that sense, oxygen or breathable air has little to no value compared to other resources that are either harder to come by uh, or finite. So uh, another good example of that is like in the desert, right? In the desert, water is extremely valuable compared to what it might be in the rainforest. Um, but breathable air in the desert is no more valuable uh, in the desert than it is anywhere else in the world. Uh, well, except I, I shouldn't say that, except for, you know, you know, top of Mount Everest or under the water, but you know what I'm saying. The, 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 the point being that it can be, uh, it's is, is unlimited supply in certain areas makes it less valuable. And that's the problem with the U.S. dollar with fiat currency is that we can, and everybody understands that, oh, they don't understand this, but um, we, we, those of us who pay attention to uh, economic policy uh, even to any degree. I mean, you don't have to be an expert in any, any of this to know that the fact that they are continuously just printing money, which frankly we did a lot of under the Trump administration. Um, and again, I'm not a Trump sycophant. Trump, Trump uh, made some mistakes. I've talked about those mistakes. I've criticized him before. Uh, and I, I, I think that he didn't pay close enough attention to uh, the dollars that were being printed for sure. And it's, of course, uh, continuing under Biden. And the more dollars you print, the uh, less valuable the dollar becomes, the, f uh, the, the uh, less you can buy with your money, uh, the more expensive things become. And that's what we're seeing. That's what inflation is. That's why we're seeing that kind of inflation right now, is because the dollar is effectively uh, not as valuable as it used to be. So uh, that is uh, Bitcoin in a nutshell. Okay, um, everybody uh, who has a Bitcoin wallet, which again is just a digital uh, interface that tells you uh, what 
balance uh, Bitcoin that you have based off of a, a private key that is generated for you. Um, there is so much more to it. Um, there's obviously a lot of uh, uh, technicalities to it, and I am not a developer, so I couldn't even begin to try to explain any of that stuff to you. But um, what I do understand about Bitcoin is that it uh, satisfies multiple properties, some of them better than the U.S. dollar for sure, uh, and some of them maybe not as good. So let's talk about uh, the different properties of money. Um, we'll start with one I already mentioned, fungible. So I already kind of described, so I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but fungible just means that you can easily exchange one uh, uh, unit for another unit. Okay. Um, as I said, uh, you know, in a barter system, when you're trading six chickens for a pig or uh, ten chickens for a cow or however you would do it, that's not an easy exchange. It's not necessarily a one-for-one -one value. Um, and that is the uh, challenge with a barter system. And again, as I mentioned, if you were to use uh, seashells, which uh, might be somewhat limited supply, but not enough to be able to you know, really know for sure uh, what the value should be, which is, again, the, the benefit that uh, Bitcoin has. But either way, we'll get into that in just a second. Um, a seashell again not there's no uh, all, all seashells are unique so it's not easy to as easy to interchange one with another uh, you need to have somebody who determines which ones are equal and which ones are unequal to each other bitcoin uh, and frankly the u.s dollar are both very fungible i could give you my single dollar bill that i have in my pocket and you could give me your single dollar bill that you have in your pocket and there would be no difference in value as far as what each of us has in our pocket. Uh, that's what makes it fungible. Same with Bitcoin. All right? If I was to give you one of my Bitcoins and you were to give me one of your Bitcoins, there would be zero difference in the, in the uh, change of value. Uh, that is what makes uh, a, a, a good currency is that it is fungible. Now in this way, um, there isn't really a difference between the U.S. dollar and Bitcoin. They're both probably, and I would see, I would say they're both as fungible. Uh, I don't know that you could make an argument that one is more or less fungible, but uh, if somebody does have that argument, I'd love to hear it, but I, I just don't see it. So that one's kind of a wash, but, you know, it's an important property of money. Next one, durable. So durable means that um, it can be used multiple times without wear. Now, the U.S. dollar is relatively durable, relatively. But, I mean, we've all seen uh, the physical dollars can be uh, not so durable. You've got some that are more crisp than others. Uh, but they do have a system for processing that um, where, you know, they can uh, remove older dollar bills uh, and replace them with, uh, well, younger dollar bills. Um, so there is a, and there and is a relative quality material that is used. I mean, they use a very specific material so that it is as durable as possible. And then, of course, there's the digital tracking of the U.S. dollar, which is itself uh, pretty durable, um, as durable as the computers are, effectively. And again, computers can be replaced uh, without having an effect on the value of the money itself. So definitely, uh, the U.S. dollar is, dur is durable. Bitcoin, of course, is also durable. Um, probably more so than the U.S. dollar because there isn't a uh, necessarily a physical uh, tracking of that balance. Um, now, the tricky thing there is some people, all they have is their key, and if all they have is their key and it's written down on whatever medium, you know, uh, 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 a piece of paper or something like that, and then that piece of paper gets, you know, screwed up, well, then you've lost that Bitcoin, right? If you cannot access your wallet, you can't get to your Bitcoin. So in that sense, there might be an argument that uh, that there is a durability issue. But I would say that, honestly, Bitcoin is probably just a little more durable than the U.S. dollar. Portable. Uh, this is, I mean, it's pretty obvious, re relatively straightforward. Um, it's portable because... 
you can easily take it with you anywhere. And uh, that's why we use coins and dollars for so long. And then when we moved into the digital world, of course, people didn't want to have to carry cash because, you know, there's a security issue with uh, with having that on you. Um, so, uh, you know, having having uh, a digital tracking system instead is, is a little bit more secure and also much more portable. Um, Bitcoin was built, designed to be portable um, in so far as it is a digital currency uh, inherently. It is absolutely portable, perhaps a little bit more portable than the U.S. dollar, again, because it's a little bit more, um, uh, 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 it's designed to be portable compared, more portable anyway, than a physical U.S. dollar. But otherwise, you can maybe call this a wash. All right. Uh, uniform. uniform uh, uniformity in money is critical um, because uh, each... Uh, each denomination needs to have the same purchasing power. Okay, so uh, you cannot have uh, one denomination be uh, uh, have have a different purchasing power than another. So the best way to explain this, and uh, and I, this is this is probably I'm going to butcher the hell out of this more than likely, but the best way I can understand this is that with the um, uh, different, with the different currencies, right, with the different types of currencies, um, a pound, like a British pound or a euro, is going to have different value and different purchasing power than a U.S. dollar. So uh, across those currencies, they are not particularly uniform, which makes it a real challenge because then you're trying to calculate uh, between two different people. Now, this is the thing. You cannot use a euro in America, and you can use the American dollar in a lot of places, uh, for sure, more places than most any other uh, fiat currency, but not everywhere. Not everybody accepts the U.S. dollar. Not everybody accepts the euro or the British pound or the uh, or, 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 or any of the other uh, national currencies, the loonie, all that kind of stuff. And that is where Bitcoin certainly has the advantage because it is uniform across the world. You can use it anywhere. It's not necessarily uh, acceptable everywhere yet, and we will get to that property, but it can be. And if it were acceptable everywhere, it would be more uniform than any other currency in the world. So because of that, Bitcoin, in my opinion, is far more uniform than the U.S. dollar. Uh, especially if people stop uh, accepting the U.S. dollar, which we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, divisible can be divided into smaller units of value. So, U.S. dollar, we know this as uh, the U.S. The, the 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 dollar bill can be divided into 100 pennies, can be divided into four quarters, and it's important for money to be divisible because it's easier to. Uh, make exact purchases. Um, Bitcoin, again, was designed this way as well. And I would argue it's a little bit more simple. It doesn't seem like it yet because we don't have names yet for um, the individual uh, pieces yet. There's, there's one Bitcoin, which everybody knows that particular uh, unit. But there's also a Satoshi, which is the smallest unit of a Bitcoin. And I think it's uh, eight decimal places out. So there is the Satoshi, uh, which is uh, the smallest unit of a Bitcoin, which was named after Satoshi Nakamoto. I think I'm saying that right. Um, so it's definitely divisible. Um, I don't know that you could argue that one is more divisible than the other, but I do think that Bitcoin is probably more easily divisible. And once it starts uh, getting more adoption, we're going to start to see that. Acceptable. Now, this is the challenging one. Uh, everyone must be able to use the money for transactions. Now, everyone is able, with the exception of the uh, regulations that are happening, and uh, Trump even argued that there needed to be some regulations on Bitcoin, and I argue that's a bad idea. But uh, everyone is has the capacity to use Bitcoin. 
um, once you know how to use it, it's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, ex ex making an exchange is it's it's not too hard. It's not as simple uh, as uh, the U.S. dollar, mainly because we're used to transactions in the U.S. dollar. So because we're used to it, there's a lot more um, efficiencies in place for making the transactions with the U.S. dollar. But that's only a matter of time for Bitcoin because as it gains more adoption and becomes uh, more acceptable, uh, there are going to be uh, very simple systems in place eventually to be able to make these transactions. There are, you might not realize it, but if you go on uh, uh, Google right now and you look for ATMs near you, you will find Bitcoin ATMs near you. You could go there and purchase Bitcoin um, or withdraw Bitcoin. Last one, limited in supply. Now this, in my opinion, is the clincher. This is the keystone that holds the bridge up. It's the biggest piece missing with fiat currency, um, <clears throat> which I argue is by design. Money must be limited supply, otherwise its value is only based on the faith you have in it. And the only reason people have faith in the US dollar is because it started off being based off of uh, uh, something real, like gold. But uh, that is, um, <laughs> uh, that's no longer the case. And we're just printing money now. We're just printing US dollars to pay our debt uh, and continue to go into more debt and we're selling our children into debt slavery and it's 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 honestly insane what they're actually doing and getting away with because uh they're 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 legally counterfeiting our money that's what they're doing when they continue to print our money they are legally counterfeiting they'll tell you that counterfeiting is bad i mean try try printing out your own dollars and see what happens you'll get thrown away in a heartbeat why? Oh, well, we can't do that. It's going to devalue the dollar. Oh, okay. Well, then why are you doing it? That's the, the big thing that Bitcoin has over the U.S. dollar, and in my opinion, is the thing that makes the U.S. dollar the real scam. If we're going to determine that any currency is a scam, the U.S. dollar is absolutely more of a scam than Bitcoin based off of this one factor alone. So... Now this is just uh, the um, seven properties of uh, money that somebody else has come up with, and you know these these are kind of theoretical, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, but remember, fungible, durable, portable, divisible, uniform, acceptable, limited in supply. There's a couple other things though that are worth noting about Bitcoin. Uh, and whether or not it is um, a good currency. So I said before, I'm not a Trump sycophant. You know, I don't hang on every word that Trump says. Uh, I clearly have my criticisms of him, and I'm going to uh, go into those. But I'm not a Bitcoin sycophant either. So if we're going to criticize Bitcoin, I think there are worthy criticisms to be, to be made. Um, again, we already talked about it a little bit. It hasn't reached it hasn't reached peak acceptance yet, to the point where you can just buy anything with Bitcoin. You can't. It's not that simple. You can't just go to Kroger and buy your groceries. Until you can do that, um, the U.S. dollar is going to have the advantage on Bitcoin in that way. And it might take a while to get to that point. Um, the other one, and this is a big one, is that uh, it is not backed by state violence. The U.S. dollar is backed by state violence. As I mentioned, you are not allowed to go and print your own dollars. They can, you can't. And if you do, they will send men to your door to arrest you. And if you resist, they will use force. They will use violence to bring you in, try you, and put you in prison. Um, but that again, is not the case for the U.S. dollar. However, with Bitcoin, um, uh, anybody can print if you have the resources. 
if you have the server, it used to be anybody with a computer with a laptop could could uh, print Bitcoin and they could do it legitimately. Like ju you, you can't just print Bitcoin and not exchange any kind of value. You had to process the transactions in order to earn that Bitcoin. But Bitcoin is not backed by state violence, at least not yet. Uh, I don't know if and when it could or how it could be, but um, there is something to be said for that value. And, and it might be, you might have a problem with that, right? I don't, I'm not a big fan of uh, currency that is, uh, that relies on state violence in order for it to maintain its position. I think that that is, I think that's, I think that sucks, frankly. And I don't think, I really don't think it should be that way. But it is that way. And that does give it the advantage. The guy with the gun has the advantage. We're just going to have to uh, understand that if we're going to understand the competition between these currencies. Another one that I mentioned earlier on, uh, as far as a weakness of Bitcoin, is that Bitcoin is, uh, at the moment anyway, not insured. So if you lose your Bitcoin, you lost it. If you, uh, there's, there might be systems uh, implemented at some point or another uh, that might be better than the insurance policies that we have on our own banks. Uh, and I would argue that that will happen, but it's not there now. So um, the value of your Bitcoin is in a lot of ways dependent on your own uh, ability to secure your wallet. Now, Bitcoin is a very secure system, right? Again, uh, you have all of these computers processing the same transactions, right? And tracking those same transactions. So, so if uh, you and I both had computers that were processing transactions, we would both be keeping the same ledger. And uh, if we had, let's say, three computers doing all this, and one computer said that you had five bitcoins, but the other two computers say that they uh, that you actually had ten bitcoins, it sounds like one of the computers per perhaps might have been hacked, and it's not going to accept that ledger, right? And that's where the tricky part comes in because it is kind of a majority rules type of thing. With Bitcoin, with the Bitcoin network, in order for you to successfully steal, hack into the network to steal Bitcoin, you would have to have control over uh, more than half of the computers and servers that process transactions for Bitcoin on the network. That is highly unlikely, uh, to the point of impossible, almost. Uh, the idea that any one entity could get that much control, maybe a government could, but you know, then we're no worse off than we are now with the U.S. dollar. So, so be it, right? Um, you know, without without that kind of control over the network, uh, it's practically impossible to steal Bitcoin. The only real way to steal Bitcoin is to steal somebody's uh, passcode, right? Uh, so, Bitcoin is in that way very secure. Again, compared to uh, the servers that um, the banks have where they track your ledger. It's certainly more secure than that. It's just that those servers, uh, the, the data on that server is uh, insured and the data on the Bitcoin network is not, at least at the moment. All right. <sighs> Let's bring this all back around for a minute. Uh, like I said, I, I think what Trump said was boneheaded. I don't think he has a understanding of uh, Bitcoin. And I don't think he uh, really has an understanding. Uh, I hate to say that he doesn't have an understanding of currency because I, I think that's uh, probably a stretch. But I don't think he's kept up with the discussion. And that is signaled by his idea that, first off, we shouldn't have competition in between currencies. And again, why shouldn't we? Why shouldn't, I mean, and I don't think that Bitcoin is ever going to uh, replace the U.S. dollar necessarily. I don't think the U.S. dollar is going to last, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that uh, Bitcoin is going to completely take its place. Um, I envision if, you know, uh, if freedom and liberty has anything to say about it, that you would just end up having multiple ways of uh, making transactions, you know. Uh, 
uh, I don't think gold is going anywhere. Oh, that brings me to another weakness that Bitcoin has. Uh, so compared to gold, and also uh, as far as the US dollar goes compared to gold, um, gold has a very unique property that is not among the seven that, was li that I listed earlier. Uh, uh, beyond the uh, uh, beyond whether or not it's enforced by the state, and that is that the currency itself has inherent value. So the U.S. dollar, if if it wasn't for the faith in the currency itself to protect your wealth or hold your wealth, it wouldn't have any value. What use would a dollar bill have? You wouldn't be able to do, I mean, well, I guess for some cocaine addicts, you could roll it up and snort. But other than that, there's nothing you can do really with a U.S. dollar that gives it really any value. And Bitcoin, frankly, is the same. Uh, the, the Bitcoin itself is, I mean, it doesn't exist as a physical entity or a physical uh, uh, thing. It is a network with a number that the network is keeping track of. That's it. So that number itself doesn't have any value. If it wasn't for the things that you, the transactions that you could make, the store of value, the faith really in the system, if it wasn't for any of that, Bitcoin itself also would have zero value. And that cannot be said for precious metals like silver and gold. And that's because silver and gold can be used for a lot of things other than being a store of value. Um, so it has a lot of the same properties that we discussed before, but also is used in electronics, um, is used to make tools, is used for a lot of different things. So uh, it's another weakness of, Bit of Bitcoin, but also, like I said, a weakness of the U.S. dollar. Now let's talk about the, the uh, value of Bitcoin, the, 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 um, the price of Bitcoin. So the first Bitcoin, when it was processed, bought like 10 pizzas. And uh, uh, that, was, that was the first transaction on the network that happened. Somebody bought pizzas with it. And since then, we've seen a lot of other transactions. Um, since then, the price, of course, has gone up dramatically. We've seen it fight its way to get to a dollar, fight its way to get to a hundred dollars, fight its way to get to a thousand dollars, and then a few years ago, when I finally started paying attention, uh, around the time it was, I think I started buying in when it was like three, four thousand. I started buying up a little bit of it just because I was like, all right, let's see what this is all about. I finally started paying attention. And uh, I got up to, uh, I, I held on to it and it got all the way up to about 19, I think it barely crossed over 20,000 before it just collapsed. Collapse is a strong word, but it fell back down to like three or 4,000. And it kind of held it like that for a while, uh, for a couple of years actually, until basically the past year. And it wasn't until the past year that we started seeing it go up again, easily past 20,000, easily past 30,000 fighting its way up 40, 50, 60,000. And one of the reasons why it went up so high was because people like uh, Elon Musk jumped in and said, hey, we're going to start accepting Bitcoin for your Teslas. And then, of course, as I mentioned, he changed his mind because uh, he had environmental concerns, which uh, I, I've, already, I've already covered. The price dropped partly because he, or price went up partly because he said that he was really interested in using Bitcoin and he liked the technology. It dropped in part because he changed his mind on that. And people pay attention to that. And I mean, when, <laughs> when Elon Musk talks, the market moves. I mean, it's just, that's just how it goes. And same with Trump. When Trump said something, uh, we saw a bit of a dip in price. Uh, also, there have been uh, regulations, particularly in China. And those regulations are going to have an impact on uh, the value or the price of Bitcoin as well. 
Uh, as of this recording, it has gone back up 45. It dropped all the way down to like 33. I think 32, 33 is about as low as it has gone in the past few weeks, uh, falling from its highs of 60,000 a coin. But it's starting to climb its way back up. And I want to talk about what this actually means. Now, I'm not concerned about anybody affecting the value of Bitcoin in the downward direction. Here's what would be worse. What would be worse is if Bitcoin shot up to a million dollars tomorrow. I would be very, very concerned for the future of Bitcoin if it shot up to a million dollars per coin tomorrow. Because it wouldn't make any sense. It wouldn't make any sense with user adoption. It wouldn't track with user adoption. And that is the real thing that is determining the upward trend in the value of Bitcoin, is user adoption. That's the thing that's gonna drive Bitcoin's value in the upper direction. And I don't think that's going to change. Like, the trend is gonna be continuously going up. People are gonna get into it, and some of them are gonna go, eh, I'm not interested in this, and they're gonna get out of it, and that's natural. You know, uh, you can expect that with, with any new technology. But people are going to continue to adopt, new people are going to continue to adopt Bitcoin to some degree or another. And that's really what's going to drive um, the value of Bitcoin. Not enough that tomorrow it would jump up to a million. If it jumped up to a million tomorrow, there's something fishy going on. Uh, I would sell everything and take my profits. I would sell every Bitcoin I had, take my profits. Uh, and uh, just see what happens. And I would bet it would crash. Uh, and it wouldn't be surprising. But because it wouldn't track with user adoption. But that would be a true bubble. Now, the price of anything, stock market, currencies, anything like that, uh, is going to continue to fluctuate. Now, Bitcoin is certainly volatile. And I think that the reason it's volatile is because uh, of the user adoption. So you're going to have people coming in and then a bunch of people jumping out. And you're going to have a whole bunch more people coming in and then a bunch of people jumping out. But it's going to continue to go in the upward direction, right? Like I said, it's still going to trend up. But that in and out of, of buying and selling is going to check that price, which is good. It's healthy. It's healthy to see that. People see this drop in Bitcoin price. And they're like, oh, Bitcoin's over. It's like, yeah, you said that years ago. You said that back when it was like at $400 a coin. You said that was it. This is the end of Bitcoin when it was at 400 And then it went up to 1000 Then it went up to 20000 Then it dropped from 20000 back to 3000 or $4,000. And you said, oh, that's the end of Bitcoin. That's it. It's like, no, Bitcoin's doing what it's supposed to do. It's checking its own value so that it's, uh, so that it's appropriate, so that it's a healthy value that people can appreciate and accept. Because if they cannot accept that value, like they wouldn't accept a million dollar value of Bitcoin tomorrow, maybe in a few years, but tomorrow certainly not, no one would accept that value. That price would make no sense to anybody. So it wouldn't actually be worth that and you would see the collapse of Bitcoin, uh, at least a significant uh, burst in that bubble. And a lot of people would lose money. A lot of people would make money too, something to keep in mind. But either way, um, you said that and then for a few years, we all went, eh, well, okay. There it is. And then it shot up past 20,000, 30, 40, 50, 60. And then it drops down to 30, 32, 33. And you go, oh, see, that's it. Bitcoin's on the downward spiral. And of course, it's climbing back up uh, past 40. And dude, it's not on the downward spiral. It is checking its own value so that as more people come in and adopt this new technology, it can um, kind of reinforce itself so to speak. You wouldn't want it to be overvalued. So when you see a drop in price, that is, I know people lose money when that happens, but it is a good thing for Bitcoin in the long run because it, uh, a slow adoption is going to be much more sustainable than a quick adoption of this technology. 
So, uh, and it's also good because if you understand this, uh, and you, or at least you believe it the way I believe it, then you can take advantage of it. Um, whenever it drops, I buy the dips. And, you know, I've lost, but, you know, mostly I've gained. You know, mostly I've, I've made money on Bitcoin just by sticking with it. It's not something you're going to get rich off of. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. I mean, some people got rich quick, for sure. Um, but for me, it's, I don't even do it to make money. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's not an investment, but I don't even treat Bitcoin like an investment. I treat it like another store of value, like another way to hold on to my wealth. So that if something happens, you know, I mean, I, I think everybody should keep, of course, some amount in a bank, maybe even a couple of banks. If you don't trust one, maybe you trust another or trust multiple. Uh, some in retirement funds, multiple retirement funds I have. Um, I think I have at least three, really. I should probably consolidate one of them. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, some in coins, physical and uh, like like gold coins, like precious metals. Uh, you should have some physical precious metals on hand, and you know, again, maybe some uh, stored somewhere else with a with a uh, uh, a company or or whatever financial advisor. Again, uh, this is not financial advice. It's just you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can diversify where you store your wealth or how you store your wealth. You don't just have to store your wealth in the U.S. dollar. You can store it in multiple types of currencies, multiple types of investments, and multiple types of banks, multiple types of anything, and that is healthy. Again, competition is a healthy thing. I want the dollar to have competition, not because I want the, I think the dollar will collapse, but I don't want the dollar to collapse. Most of my wealth is in the dollar. So that wouldn't be good for me. It's not what I want, but what I do want is for currency to be competing with each other, Mr. Trump. I think that's a good thing. I think currencies need to compete with each other uh, in order for them to become better or for us to know what is the best way to store our wealth. So all that being said, uh, Donald Trump uh, is certainly the bonehead of the week for these comments. It's not the only boneheaded thing he's ever said. It's not the only boneheaded thing he will ever say. Uh, and I absolutely would vote for him again uh, in a heartbeat. Um, if he does end up running, which, you know, it'd be great. Uh, I will absolutely support him and vote, him, uh, vote for him again. I have, uh, I have every bit of confidence in him as, a, uh, uh, as president. Um, there are some things that I challenge, some things I disagree with. Uh, and obviously I've made that very clear. But I want you to take this not as uh, just, obviously this was not all about Trump, this was all about Bitcoin. It was the episode, the segment I've been wanting to do for a long time. So I really want you to take this and, uh, and, 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 and do, do some research. Look into cryptocurrency technology, blockchain technology. Look into this stuff and you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to know how to write the code for it. Um, but you can learn that there are uh, a number of different ways uh, that are even better than the U.S. dollar to store your wealth. Um, and Bitcoin, I think, is one of them, uh, along with precious metals, along with anything else. So this was, uh, this was a fun one. Uh, I'd like to hear what you guys think. Uh, definitely comment. Let us know what you think of, of, of the way we do these segments. Um, I think it's fun when Scott and I play off of each other for sure, but uh, it's kind of fun to do, you know, step aside and do our own thing and, you know, just see how you guys like it. But I definitely would love to have a conversation about Bitcoin with anybody who's interested, anybody who's smarter than me on the topic, for sure, please let me know, uh, because I could certainly use the education. But hopefully this gives you something to, to chew on. Uh, on the topic of currency and understand it uh, as it relates to uh, to how you store your own wealth. So thanks, guys. Appreciate you listening. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. If you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and every other major podcast platform, including YouTube. Thanks for listening. Be sure to come back tomorrow for a culture and philosophical discussion. 
follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to be a part of the show, reach out to us at canceledoutpodcast at gmail.com. Canceled Out is produced, directed, edited, and mixed by Scott and Max. All sourcing information can be found on our show notes at chronicles.org or in the link in the episode description on our site, canceledout.com. Canceled Out is a Scott and Max production, copyright 2021.